0: Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have a rock star in the house, literally a rock star. Like this guy used to tour, play in, I don't know, like stages and stadiums and things like that. And uh, now he's actually helping people scale their businesses. Mr. Forrest Blackburn, man, thank you so much for... uh, taking the invitation to come to the podcast, and uh, tell us about your journey, man. Who are you, brother? Like, where do you come
0: from? Thanks for having me, um, Ricardo. We've been talking about this for a minute, and yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yep. Um, so, boy, 10,000 view perspective, right? Um, so, I got started in the entertainment business uh, as a child, and I got into acting, and I was doing stage, and I was doing stage in New York and in Seattle, regional and national theater, and doing all kinds of stuff there, and... It was fun, right? It got me in front of people, and it really enabled me to hone in on on how to control a crowd, right? Um, which fast forward we'll get to is is in training seminars and things like that. That really kind of uh, got me there. But um, you know, I was uh, I was an actor, and at the same time, I was getting all these gigs to go and sing and do nights of music and do all these things and. That's where I was getting paid. I was getting all these checks from those. Right. But I wasn't hitting it on the acting like I really wanted to. So people were giving me money, and I said, that's fine, but I'm really working on this. Right. And um, later in life, it all starts to make sense. When you're trying so hard to make something happen, you forget about all these other little things that are going on that can actually butter your bread and get you to where you want to go. Right. Um, So long story short, I ended up getting into music. Uh, um, How old were you? I went to Pepperdine in Malibu, and I took a break from acting. Okay. I called up my agents, and were I said— you,
1: Were you on, a, like, a major uh, commercial movie, something I, like I that did, when you were acting? I
0: did some commercials. I did some TV shows for Disney and some cheesy, corny stuff. Um, but mostly it was mainly theater um, because I had a voice, and, and I could act, and, and that just seemed to be an easy thing right. for me to do. Um, and uh, from there, I ended up switching gears and going strictly into music. I took a break. I went to Pepperdine. I took a break from acting. I told all my agents and my ma- my managers that I'm I'm done. I'm taking a break. I'm gonna go be re- normal and go to school like everybody else. Yeah. So uh, I tried that, and um, I just couldn't be normal. <laughs> so I uh, I started up a production company, which turned into a record label. How old were um, you at the time? Tw- Nineteen.
1: Nineteen. Yep. So you did you
0: did uh, acting until you were about eighteen years old. Yep. Roughly. Yep. Then went to college, and then uh, and then got into music. I, um, about my sophomore year in college is when I started uh, FB Productions, uh, which was a production company. And we were doing things for like the Discovery Channel and doing Follies and uh, doing the sound effects for Shark Week and, you know, some of those things. um, And writing some music for other other musicians (laughs) at the time. Um, And then I started Redwood Records, um, which was my first record label and signed myself to it um, and released a record. And um, then I got all these big people that started coming along. So my band, my early band consist of, uh, consisted of uh, Todd Zuckerman, who's the drummer for Sticks now, right. Ricky Phillips, who's the bass player for Sticks now. He's from the Babies and Bad English and Coverdale Page and all this other stuff. Um, Steve Pfister from Lita Ford and Steppenwolf was a guitar player. Uh, Reeves Gabrels, who was the lead guitar player for, uh, for um, David Bowie for 17 right. years, was, was my main axe man. And we went out and toured and we had a lot of fun. Um, and then I kind of let the big guys move on because they were all hired guns, hired players, and formed my own band. And um, we toured and and had fun, we got with Capitol Records and did all of our mastering and mixing and released two other records. What was the name of your band? It was just my name. Your name? It was just my name. So I was in another band before that, um, and uh, we had some infighting going on. When I entered entered into that band, they were all kind of... Button heads. Yeah, and um, I realized that there was too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. So that's when I kind of went off on my own and, and, uh, and started up my own, my own thing. And I just used my name and I figured, you know, the buck stops with me. So it may as, I may as well carry the weight and the responsibility right. of the whole thing. So I funded everything. These are the MySpace days. So wow. I got into MySpace doing all kinds of marketing. And my entertainment attorney at the time, a great guy named David Helfant, uh, who was the vice president of Paramount at the time. He was the president of the Beverly Hills Bar Association. Super connected guy um he said uh he said well we've got to stop with capital because your a and r guy that's come in has now shelved us meaning we've he's put us on the back burner because he owes favors to somebody else and other bands so these lawsuits started happening and you know, me and all the Capital guys were out shooting pool and joking around, hey, I'm suing you, hey, I'm suing you, but we're all still buddies. Right. And Capital reached out and said, hey, you're not making any money right now. Why don't you come in and do marketing inside of our department and work at Capital? Right. So with my MySpace expertise, uh, um, and Facebook hadn't even come out yet, um, I went in there and started working. And, and everybody was switching gears over to, we were losing billboards and bus stops for movies and things like that. It was migrating over into this new marketing tactic called Google. Yep. And Google had, had, was, was in the infantile stages of launching PPC and things like that. So, um, I,
1: uh, so you've seen PPC from his start,
0: birth. start to now. Yeah. From his birth. Yeah. Wow. That's freaking crazy. So I was doing that. I was working at capital. My attorney called and said, this is a conflict of interest. We're in lawsuits. So he said, come over to Paramount and do marketing over here. So I went to Paramount was there for about six or seven months doing marketing there. The UFC called, right, the fighting championship yeah. out in Vegas. And they called, and they said, we need a music supervisor to supervise all the music for all the fighters, for all of our documentaries and our docu-series, the intros, outros, and all that kind of stuff. And they said, you pick all the music you want. So I said, okay. So And they said, if, if it's a Latin fighter, we want Latin music. If it's an urban fighter, we want urban music. If it's some bald white dude with a big beard, we want metal, right? We want all this right. rock and roll. And I said, so what artist do you want? And they said, no, no that's, that's for you, whatever you decide. So I made sure that I had clarity on that. And then I turned right around and licensed all my own music. Wow. <laughs> so to this day, it's it's still the only thing that pays me on music is the licensing that Recurring. I did for the UFC. Rec- I've been in 211 pay-per-view fights and all these different series. And wow. my music gets played all the time. And that's where my music has gone to live. Wow. And I haven't been on stage in 15 years. That's amazing, doing man. Music, so.
1: And... and uh I guess that's how you make your base living right is from from your royalties and
0: yeah there's there's always that every quarter um you know i get a nice little healthy healthy deposit into the into the bank account nothing wrong with that and i and i don't have to sing or write music i don't have to expand my music catalog or anything like that so have you
1: ever have you ever thought about coaching uh people that are in the music industry on how to own their masters and and all other stuff
0: i have um i've talked to uh so I'm partnered with a, a recording studio in Los Angeles, and um, I do help to, tr- I, I try to mentor a lot of those people that are coming in. Most musicians, you're very lucky if you make it, extremely lucky if you make it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just lucky if you find a lounge that'll give you a residency. Right. Um, in Southern California, which is where I'm based out of, everything's pay to play. So they're not like, hey, we want you to come play at this venue. Right. They say you have to pay X amount to play at this venue, right. and we'll give you those tickets and you can sell them. So everything's pay to play and it's not like in Ohio or other places where they'll, they'll pay you to come and be there. So the Southern California music market is, is, is a difficult animal. Well, because
1: there are so many musicians down here, right? Em- everybody, everybody wants, co- wants to, to come to Hollywood, business. right? Yeah. You bet.
0: Um, and they're, they're all, they're all dreamers. They all have a big dream. They're all very creative. Um, and they, the business acumen is, is very rare to find. Right. And um, um, there's just not a lot of money to work with. So mistakes are, can be catastrophic. Right. You, you, make, you make a mistake for $1,200 buying the wrong CD cover, it's over, wow. right? You gotta call mom and dad again. And mom and dad are always going, it's a music career. I mean, I support your dreams, but that's yeah. real tough. You wow. know? So um, I do try to work with a lot of those folks. The problem is, is they don't have a lot of time in between their regular gig and then trying to write music and, and things like that. So it, it is a hard, hard industry to work within. So when I was doing the UFC and I was out in Vegas, they put me up there for a little over a year. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I don't r- really go to Vegas anymore to play because I live there. Right. You know, it's like if, I, if you lived at Disneyland, yeah, i say, you want to go to Disneyland? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good, right? So um, I was out there and, and they said, we'll renew the contract. And I said, no, I want to go back to Orange County and get into this whole Google thing. Right. Which then became named as SEO. And then all the marketing started happening from that. So in 2009, I came back from Vegas and, um, that was my goal. I moved to Laguna Beach. I wanted to work at a company in Irvine and I found a company that was doing uh, Google marketing in Irvine. And, um, I went and sat down with them and they needed help kind of getting everything put together. They had multiple offices, sales offices. So I went in and I started taking over those offices and making them my own and putting in my own training and my own, just my own saleability and just, just how I talk to people. And
1: right. putting that
0: into a program and just making things make sense to people over the phone, using euphemisms and things that people really can 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 grab onto and have it make sense to them.
1: What's on euphemism?
0: Well, when when uh, when when I say things like, I drive to LA a lot from San Diego, and oftentimes I forget that journey. By the time I get to LA I don't even remember right. that. Um, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to see that new funny billboard up there or that that, that that Lamborghini you on the side a of pilot. the road. And if there was somebody sitting next to me in that seat pointing out those things, and I say this a lot to a lot of the business owners that I work with, a lot of the C-level positions and managers and owners, we get so focused on where we're going to go on our path that oftentimes we cannot, we cannot see, we can miss that funny billboard yeah. or miss that broken down Lamborghini. And I say broken down Lamborghini because that's my experience with Lamborghinis. Right, they another, break. That's another. Yeah. Plug that's
1: why we're. That's <laughs> why we like Ferraris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, so, so just, just use, utilizing stories to make it general enough so that everybody can apply the point that you're trying to get across right. to their lives. Um, and so I got into Google, I got into SEO, uh, I started working for that company, I saw what not to do um, in building a business and I went and filled those gaps and launched my own company. Started with seven reps, um, uh, sales reps. And grew that into over 1,500 reps nationally and 17 wow. resellers. I call them resellers; it's like franchise model. Um, it's plug-and-play system. So they had leads, they had CRMs, they had branding, they had everything they needed. So I was going, I was talking to a lot of call rooms, a lot of call centers, right? And and branding them into changing their script and pitching our script and then growing it up from there. We had major training seminars, and and um, it was it, it went very well. Mm. Uh, it was it turned into kind of a monster.
1: And what, uh, what were you guys selling
0: there? Like, what was the, the, the industry, the vertical? What? So it was, it was pretty much every industry under the sun. Um, everybody from attorneys to to franchises of laundromats and dry cleaners to uh, every industry. Attorneys, wow. politicians, wow. Uh, real estate offices. Um, and we were building full infrastructure for them. So branding, websites. We built over 50,000 websites. Wow. We are doing full stack app development. Um, and uh, I sold out of that company after um well let me back up so i kind of put it out there that i wanted to at some point not have to go into all of these offices and, and be present You're right just wanted to sit at home it wasn't scalable if,
1: if it require you then it wasn't
0: scalable right right so i just wanted to kind of take a step away and just kind of watch everything right and i remember i was in i was in a jacuzzi with a bunch of other business guys and we're all talking business and i put that out there in the universe and i said you know one of these days i just want to sit at home and monitor my businesses and make sure everything's going right and sure enough i got my wish and for three years uh i worked from home with seven monitors monitoring different offices monitoring lead flow monitoring conversions monitoring top people rewarding those people building leaderboards Um, and i got complacent and that for me and other business owners out there i'm sure you can attest to this that complacency is, is a dangerous zone. To it live in. is a killer. When you get, when, when you get complacent or you feel like you just, you can't control or pour yourself into something, especially when somebody like me, I'm very hands-on. Um, um it, it, it can, it can affect not just your, your business life, but your personal life. And, um, I told my wife, you know, my wife said, you know, this is what you asked for, but you're not happy in this, you know? And, um, again, Sometimes we're so focused on getting there that we miss those things that we need to see. And, you know, that's why you need a business partner. You need a spouse. You need somebody there that can point those things out to you and really help you along the way. And she said bounce,
1: bounce, bounce things off. Yeah. Like give you a different perspective, maybe or or
0: point you that, hey, you're missing that thing there that you're not paying attention. That's that's what it is. And you get to slow down and you get to reevaluate. And that 10,000 view perspective is so, so crucial and so important so that you can see everything as opposed to just be narrowly focused. Um, and so I, I, uh, I decided I was gonna put my hat back out there and start working for some of the higher, higher end clients in c- the corporate world that were knocking on my door asking for, for service. And, and um, you know my background is in building infrastructure and, and scaling. And that's right. what I learned to do really on hard knocks just being in it, having multiple offices, figuring out how to make each office dial in and get to the production points that you want them to be at. Um, and so I started working for some of these bigger clients. I had all my press kits and all that stuff out there. Where do you learn all this, like scaling? Because
1: you come from being an actor mm-hmm. as, a, as a child, right? Because mm-hmm. you yeah. were a child yep. actor. Yeah. Now, I would I would think that maybe growing up as an actor, and you did that one for what? Ten years, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, I got into it when
0: I was about ten or eleven
1: years old. And got Until eighteen, and so yeah. eight so, years. Yeah, about eight so years. You but did when that when you're that
0: young. That's a lot of years. That's a
1: long time. Yeah, that's, your, that's your your whole your whole life.
0: life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So,
1: so you do that for about eight years, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm I'm going to assume that learning how to be an
0: actor is what allows you to learn how to be persuasive, how to sell. Uh, right. It, in, it, in, it ingrained in me very early on. Uh, we, we talked in the beginning about being in front of an audience mm-hmm. and being able to lead that audience and get them interested and get them excited and get them fired up. And whether you're at a seminar and you're selling a product or you're in your own office and you're just trying to get the team riled up so they can go out there and do some sales, it's very important. The excitement, the, the anticipation, building all of that is so crucial well. to your team, to your audience, right? So I took everything I learned and I just kind of formed it together. And building scalable businesses and just sales enterprises in the corporate level, um, every business is different, right? But the methodology and the mechanisms behind it and the fact that every gear on a clock, if you look at one of those watches where you can see all the skeleton movement, every gear I is just this- as important as the <laughs> other on the back of your watch, right? I think
1: right? this one has a back like that. Yeah. yeah,
0: so you see all those different gears on there. And just because that one is bigger than the other, doesn't make it more important. Right. They're all equally as important, and if one of those gears gets off, or one of those gears needs oil, it doesn't take the same way. The entire the entire mechanism is at fault. Um, so, and you can't just talk to your acquisitions guys or your sales team. You know, I where's my bottle of water? I, use, I say this a lot. The bottleneck is always at the top, right? If if you think about if you think about any business, um, it's trickle down. So. If your CEO is is a stick in the mud or just has is grumpy, it, it, it happened to me. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, uh, you know,
1: I had a CEO that that um, I love the guy by the way. Shout uh-huh. out to Shane. Uh, but Shane became the bottleneck on the top, mm-hmm. and yep. he will come to me one day and say, "Hey, Ricardo, we need to put more into marketing." And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, that's not the answer. Those guys need to be able to convert that marketing." That's a hundred percent. And I do nothing but throw money. On the fire if we don't get those guys to convert yeah and that's your job right now is to make sure because he he was real he's real he still is real good on scripts sure like hey this is how you follow a script he comes from the car industry so yep. he trains people that are love that industry. you know you, guy, so, you guys
0: are great sharks
1: fans. you know they're, they're sharks so.
0: sal sal out of carlos Reyes' office told me he said and i'll never forget it he said there is an ask for every seat Yeah. (laughs) And that comes from the car world. That's absolutely right. And there's a buyer for every home, right? And so Shane, Shane
1: built a huge business. He actually had the biggest mom and pop dealership in Houston. Mm -hmm. And he scaled that thing to, I don't know, 200 cars a month or something like that. Right. So when he came to my team, I was like, okay, this is the guy that's literally going to get that sales floor pumped pumped up. Mm -hmm. And what I, what, what I think he didn't have dialed in at the time which i'm pretty sure he had dialed in at some point but not at the time where we wanted to ex- experience the scaling was the delegation portion of it yeah uh and he became a f- a, a choke point on the top and i di- i didn't see that uh i think i was telling somebody earlier that we had a million dollars in assignments to collect and i even gave them the money and, all, and and they didn't you know they didn't perform and that's when i I got rid of the whole team. I still kept him because I had to give him another chance. You know, I, I didn't know if it was my fault, his fault, or whose fault. But when we build the second team, a look at it. Yeah. when we build the second team, and I say, "Okay, guys, you guys gotta go and do this," and this is the guy, by the way, that's gonna show you how to be relatable on the phone and all that. And we weren't getting results. Then I said, "Okay, there's a, there's a different problem here." And, and I took over. And it was the first week that I took over. It was like 13 contracts right away from people that are overseas. They never live here. They're buying and selling homes, but all they needed to do was be empowered. Yeah. And that's what he wasn't doing. He wasn't empowering mm-hmm. them. He was teaching them and they learned well, Sure. but he wasn't empower them, empowering them. So going to you, because scaling is not, people think, oh, scaling, scale, just go big, go just, wide. Yeah,
0: just go throw more money at it. Yeah. Just go hire more people. And yeah, to to your point, everybody has a role and everybody has a lane. And I'm sorry, you said Shane? Yeah, Shane. Shane, yeah. Um, You know, and and God bless Shane for for giving it his all. But sometimes, and as business owners, this is something that we can overlook. Everything is Tetris. Everything is a chess game. And you have to do one-on-ones with your team members. You have to do one-on-ones with your managers. You have to do one-on-ones with your partners. Um, you need to figure out where everyone's strengths are. You know what yours are and you yep. know what your weaknesses are. Oh yeah, 100%. Are. So you should never waste any of your valuable strength time on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Hire somebody, delegate, right? Hire somebody to do that. Find you, everybody's, you know, that whole adage, a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, you can, you can have an entire office of square pegs with round holes, or you can figure out where the, the square holes are and yep. you can fill them with those good people. And um, always. But where called, you you, what do you learn? this
1: because that's a skill you have. You have a skill to scale, mm-hmm. right? You can scale literally anything from a you can from a hot dog stand to uh, you know a flipping operation, which I don't I don't advise to do
0: that. <laughs> scaling uh, <laughs> flipping is a difficult thing. Scaling wholesaling, scaling you know portfolio that's 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 different. But scaling flipping is. But is where a do
1: you learn the the or where do you get the basics for you to say okay? I'm gonna scale that
0: agency that you guys had to 1,500, uh-huh. you know, um, franchises or offices. Or you, you cannot scale nor build. You can't build a, a skyscraper on top of a one-story sand foundation, right? right? So it really comes down to getting your infrastructure in place and testing it. You want to try and break it, right? Um, um, as soon as you have something set up and you think, "Wow, this is a great SaaS product," or "Wow, this is a great infrastructure. This is a, a killer sales team," try to break it. Try to go in and do some things to try to break that's where you're going to find out where the holes are and that's the way you can fix them and then you dial up a little bit more and you see your ratios let's let's increase spend by 10 percent, and let's add on two more acquisitions people but let's get them trained mm-hmm. right and you, you you were talking about that too as far as yeah. the, let's just throw money at marketing no. well that's that's one part of it but, yeah, you, but that you comes have afterwards have, it does you don't if you're going to have a surprise party for somebody as soon as they walk in the door that's not when you tell everybody okay shh, everybody go hide now no You've got to, you got to orchestrate that shit before the guy shows up, before the lead walks in, you've got to have your team ready to yell surprise, right? So you've got to coach them. They've got to be ready for these leads. They've got to know where the leads are coming from, what the campaigns are. I make sure that, that if it's an inbound PPC lead or something from social, the sales rep knows exactly what the search term was. So then we can go into an entirely different script. If they were, if they searched how to sell my pre-foreclosed house, we're going to go to the pre-foreclosure yeah. script. If they say how to sell an inherited home. We're gonna to go to a, an inheritance script, right? So that way they can be really ahead of it and they can be ready to yell surprise, not after they walk in the room, but they're ready for them before they get to the party. And that's the biggest thing is training, training, training. So I, I, I spend a lot on training. Um, I invest a lot in training. Um, investing in your people is investing in your business. And if you hire good people and train them to do good things, they will do good things. That's
1: what we're doing right now. We're, we're actually heavily investing in our on the acquisition side right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, We got Sonia's training, Jerry Green's training, Uh, any training that you can think regarding acquisitions, we got it. And they're they're all going through it right now. We have a one-on-one that's doing with them every week, you know, because I can only take them so far. And there are people out there that are way far more talented than I am in that specific specific niche, you know, acquisitions and and, and things. I'm good at acquisitions, but I'm I'm not going to say I'm the best. Sure. I'm the best that I can be.
0: Yeah. Right. Yep. But and I you're know, always getting better because you're always learning and we're always talking. And, you know, it's it's I get it.
1: So. All right. So you go and you you build that 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 uh, business that you exited later on. Yep. Um, when is it that you bump into real
0: estate? Well, uh, so growing up my I'm fourth generation real estate. So my dad, his grand, his father and his father before him were all in land. So and, you and were, you were
1: around it all the time.
0: I, I mean, I remember sitting on my dad's knee on when he's going out and walking properties and my dad was wholesaling commercial real estate before the term wholesale was, existed, was out there. Yeah. I remember I was, I was probably six or seven years old and, um, we went out to look at a property in Palm Springs and it was an eight hole golf course. With a little shithole uh, country club type thing on it, and that was it. So he locked it up and took it down and, and did a year contract or something along those lines. He brought, he zoned the entire thing out, turned it into an 18 hole on paper, had everything built out, had 246 modular home units abound, everything zoned and everything ready to go. That package is what he sold. Well, wow. and so he was doing that all the time. And when I started getting into wholesaling, by way of introduction to it, by Tarik Al Musa from HGTV. Right. Um, I was telling my dad what we're, you know, how this goes and I said, isn't this the same thing that you've been doing all this time? He said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It works every time. You just keep going with it. And my dad's a developer and, and everything like that. So I grew up in real estate very early on. Um, it was so always- So you were around. around it. It was yeah, in your DNA. It's in my blood, yeah. It was in your DNA, yeah. 100%, but I'm a sales guy and then I got into marketing and marketing, um, sales and marketing go hand in hand. You know, I look at marketing. Um, as our ask, right? And you don't get what you don't ask for. Mm -hmm. So the more you ask, the more you get. But if what you're getting, you're not prepared for, like in that surprise party scenario, if if your team isn't prepared for that, then you're just spending money on on what could be amazing leads, but they don't know it. They don't know what's good, bad, or indifferent because they haven't been trained properly. Mm -hmm. So that's why acquisitions training is so invaluable, growing that team. Disposition training is, is equally as, a, as an invaluable trade if you're in the wholesaling business. Um, but
1: the sales are different because usually sure. when you're selling a a uh, contract, they're looking for that contract, right? Oh, sure. So the sale is, is more transactional. 100%. Um, so when we're,
0: when we're dealing with sellers, that's business. To, that's, that's B2C. Right right b to c we're, we're we're talking to these sellers we're getting married to them we're walking down the aisle we're crying with them we're building that rapport uh if you're in your home market you're going out and having meetings with them home pain you bet um i just had a story with somebody the other day they took somebody out to uh they they sourced a deal this is through PropStream, and uh it's a 100 million dollar portfolio and um the way that the acquisitions person sourced this and closed the deal was by Meeting with the guy on the phone, doing an hour and a half long phone call, really getting personal, and then they met and went to a Red Lobster of all places. That was the guy's choice. 75 year old gajillionaire. He wanted to go to Red Lobster. They sat down and he did the deal and and and, and got this portfolio locked down at a wow. Red Lobster. And it's just, you know, again, it's building relationships. So acquisition is B2C, disposition is 100% B2B.
1: Let's talk about scaling, which is in between those two. Mm-hmm. Before you scale, you have to learn how to acquire. Yeah, and you also have to learn how to sell. Sure. Right. Uh, and to acquire, you got to put money on marketing. Yes. Right. Uh, and then develop your skill sets to to make the deal, to put the deal together. Yeah. Let's put it to you, like your dad did. Yeah. He was just putting big deals. That's together. it. Yeah. Big deals together. Right. So, but in, like if, if we scale it down, because what your dad was doing was bigger yeah. than
0: wholesaling a house. Here sure. And then SFRs and, and multifamily. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: But now we're going to dump it down to our world, which is uh, the single family, residential, multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, when is it that a person that has developed those skill sets, mm-hmm. buy, sell, negotiate, marketing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. says it's time for me to scale in your opinion?
0: Well, um, you, you really have to make sure that you are a hundred percent confident in your sales process. And it's not just one day you wake up and you say, you know what, last month I was spending $12,000 a month on advertising and marketing. This month I'm going to spend a hundred grand. I'm just going to throw a hundred G's at it and let's just see what happens. You need to dial it up in increments. You have to. And, And, you know, the social media platforms like Facebook, if you set up a new Facebook account for your business, they're going to control how much you spend in the beginning. Um, because they want to have you Mm long-term, right? They don't want you blowing your wad on that hundred grand in the first week on mistakes because you didn't know what you were doing because then they have no long-term relationship with you and Facebook, their advertising marketing platform is a relationship, it's a long play. So they don't want you to blow your wad up front and never come back again. So they actually control that spend and they force you to phase up and scale up in, in... and I do it by ratios, right? If you're going to spend 10% more, we've got to see at least a 10% increase across the board on everything. We should see a little bit better than that. Then we increase another 10%, we should see that other 10% increase. If we don't, we pause, we go back, we dissect what's not working, we try to break it a little bit, we fix it, we fill that gap, and then we go we go again, and we just dial up in increments. Once we get to a point where every phase and every increment that you're dialing up is hitting those ratios and you're confident, then you can literally dial it up and just open up the floodgates. And To get to an eight-figure-a-year business in wholesaling and flipping, to get to seven figures a month, month in and month out, um, yeah, I've been known to spend between $350,000 and $500,000 a month in marketing and advertising. Now that covers my cold outreach, my SMS, that covers my branding, brand development, reputation management with reviews and testimonials, extremely important. Um, that covers my billboards, my TV commercials, my radio ads, and in Southern California, that's extremely expensive stuff, right. whereas in other markets you can get away with. So you know, you can spend 150, $160,000 a month very easily in Los Angeles on a TV commercial That's sometimes people's entire annual budget or more, yeah, yeah. you know, na- nationwide. So, but if you can spend $160,000 a month on a commercial and return $800,000 off of that one campaign. Well, then it makes it, it makes sense. It's hundred percent right. worth it. So then the adage becomes: It's like that that whole thing. If if you give me a dollar and I give you back two, what's your next answer? How right. many times can we do this? Right, right. So that that's really what it comes down to. At that point, you're saying, Well, wow! If I spend if I spend ten, I get a hundred. Let's go.
1: Yeah, I, I got um, I got caught up in all of that back in 2016, 18, mm-hmm. se- 17, and 16, 17, and eighteen because I was doing mailers. Yep. And back then, the return was. I would put a dollar and I get back three. Yeah. Now it got to a point where I was putting 50, 60, $70,000 a month on mailers. Yeah. I was only bringing 150 to 200,000. And at some point I said, I don't know about this because uh-huh. not all the months went that well, right? I hear you. And there were months where, you know, you have fluctuated yeah. and. And uh, direct
0: mail is a long game. You got to touch them multiple times before they really jump for you. Yeah.
1: So, so we, we completely dialed down. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, because the tolerance for tolerance for risk
1: was, for me, wasn't there anymore. Like, this is too much of a high risk. Yeah. I'm putting way too much money on something that doesn't give me the returns that I'm looking for. Yeah, I understand um, that. We switched from there to call calling. Call calling, I couldn't see scaling at a large number. Okay. Because, too many dialers, like they add up. 120 dollars yeah. a dialer, and then you got 100. I mean, it can in, be a around Let's say room. a the thousand bucks an agent. So you're looking at 1,200 dollars per seat. And you got, okay, let's say uh, I build, uh, and bro, everything I do, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I, I, I just want to blow it up. Yeah. Uh, because, sure. To me, it's the fastest way from running away from being poor. Yeah. Um, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I hear that, you know? brother. It's like that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always
0: the, uh, listen, we love to serve people. We yeah. love to help people. We love, you know, uh, you and I get along so great right. sharing secrets and, and talking yeah. shop. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. But really, everybody's motivator is uh, to not be in a gutter someday. And, well, and that is a hard motivator, and you, it, it it it's a swift kick in the ass. I've been continue. there.
1: I mean, I I I went from being a multimillionaire to not even have 50 bucks to to, to put on my gas uh, on my on my wife's vehicle. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear you. And you're like, how did I get here? Like, how did that
0: happen? I gotta yeah, bounce back.
1: I gotta bounce back right now. Me, I'm stubborn as sales. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing, and I'm resourceful,
0: right? I'm gonna yeah. find
1: resources. Thank God that's not my case today, but. and and it won't ever be because I'm a little smarter on how I do things.
0: Uh, we learn from from our mistakes and our experience and yeah, that's what makes us where we are today. But okay, so the basics of scale in in your book, what are those? A good solid foundation, good training, great marketing people. Because if you train your acquisitions people to, to close every deal, and you know what? You're never gonna talk somebody out of their house. You're never gonna be able to, and sales you know, sales 101, if you really get down to the root of what a sale is, it's convincing somebody to do something that they weren't ready to do at that point in time. That's what a sale is. And a phone sales, it's the same thing. Let, buy the subscription, well, I don't know. And you make the sale, and a good closer can close that deal. You can't close something. There's no hard close on selling your house. Yeah, especially if they live it. That's, that's their biggest asset. And the only thing that they really know, and they're, they're, they're afraid, because the only okay. thing that they may know about real estate is that they bought this house 30 years ago. And that's the only thing that oh, they I know about real estate. So getting getting that them that into, uh, into the mindset is something that you have okay. to listen. And listening is the biggest part of acquisitions. Okay. We have the oh. data. We know it's three bedroom, two no. bath. We know it's 1,300 feet. Oh. We know what the comps are. But at the end of the day, what's the situation? How can I develop help you? It's providing help, it's providing a service. Right. Um, and that's that's really the most important part about the acquisition side. So you have the marketing that's generating really good targeted leads. You have the acquisitions team that really wants to listen, really wants to help, and really wants to solve problems. We were just in an office tour, what about an hour ago? Right. And uh, uh, one of the staff members uh, talked about how sometimes the acquisitions team will say, hey, I'm, I'm losing this deal because they need to find a place to move. Right. And she takes it upon herself to go and try to find properties for that person. Solving problems is the biggest part of acquisitions. How do I help you get out of this house and start your next chapter? How do I help you get to where you want to go? And tell me what that looks like to you. And when you when you talk to people in that that sense, they automatically mentally fast forward themselves in time to that win, to that new experience. And it's going to put them in a better mood. And now they're living in that experience. So now it's your job to work with them to make that experience a reality. Right, so now you've
1: up to businesses that were seven and eight figures, right? uh uh-huh. um, and, and that's a skill set that you can apply literally to 90% of the businesses. Sure. I'm not gonna say 100%. And not, awesome. every, not
0: everybody has a business that can be an eight-figure business. It's right. just not that niche. Right. But with all the niches that I've worked with, the formula stays the same. And what I find very interesting and why I have, have married myself to the real estate industry and wholesaling and flipping and short-term rentals and just the entire industry. It's because what I have learned in all of these different facets, for whatever reason, it's all in a blender and it lays into this industry so perfectly and so well that it's it makes me happy when I'm gonna work with somebody. Right. Because I know what they're where they're going. I know exactly where they're gonna be. Now, again, selling is listening, but also following direction is listening too. Yes. And I get a lot of, well, what I used to do, with mm-mm, mm-hmm. eh, no, stops we're, we're not talking about that. Because if we're talking about that, mm-hmm. then we're talking about a time before I was here, and before we're working together. Right. It. It's all about new, it's all about staying focused, and it's all about really taking a look at your role. Every single role in a company is their own business. Your, your acquisition number three guy, gal, that's their their desk. That's their business. So they need to know their numbers. They should know their conversion rate. They should know how many leads they're getting. They should know what campaigns are servicing the best for them. So when they have a lead come in, they really take that one seriously. The other one, they say, hey, listen, this one is better for you. Let's switch leads. That's that's totally fine. But they've got to know their business, and and that's just the acquisitions person. So many business owners that I work with, I ask them, what's your conversion rate? Uh, let me find uh, where's uh, Timmy? Where's he at? You know, they don't know. If if you don't know your numbers about your own business, mm-hmm. who's driving? Who's driving the car? No, you're just you're just wearing the race car driver's auto, outfit, auto, but auto you're pilot. not driving it's the auto, car. It's on autopilot. It's True. That autopilot might not necessarily go where it goes. Um, even Tesla's had a few issues yeah. with their autopilot yeah. crashing into some yeah. things, right? So, no, it's just, it's, uh, but you can get to that autopilot. You can definitely get there as long as you focus on every single gear of that watch. Well, and every one of those gears is just as focused on their numbers moving forward. And healthy competition's great. Everybody should know where everybody else's numbers are. This is why it's good for us in our industry. Because I call you and I say, hey, what did you do last month? And you tell me and I go, oh shit, I got to turn it on a little yeah. bit more. And it's a, that friendly competition. So we need to know what we're doing. And our acquisition person needs to know what the other acquisition person is doing. Leaderboards are good to have. Give somebody to chase for. And uh, we go back to complacency, right, and being comfortable. That's a really dangerous spot. And if you've got a star rep, a star, an all-star acquisitions person, who feels that, hey, I'm buttering the bread of the entire company, I will never lose my job. I'm gonna be an hour late today, I'm gonna leave an hour early today. They're not gonna do anything about it. Well, that person needs to see that you're constantly hiring, you're constantly interviewing, and they will work harder. As human beings, if I said, listen, go out, and if you get that deal closed by Friday, I'll give you a $10,000 bonus. Everybody wants that, right? That sounds fantastic, but if I told you, if you don't close that deal by Friday, I'm gonna be looking to fill your seat. As humans, we protect a loss more than we force a win. And if they don't get that bonus, they still have their job, everything's still fine. Their their wife, girlfriend, they're not gonna be upset at them. They can still make their car payment, they have their job. But if they know that there's a certain amount of negative impact if they don't move the company forward, your company forward, and again, every owner, this is your baby and these people are just extensions of you. And if those bullets you have in the chamber are duds, or they're too comfortable, and they only want to go a short distance, you gotta replace them. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. We just literally replaced everybody. The only yeah. guy standing is Caesar. Yeah, uh, I love the, Caesar. Yeah, oh, dude, he's exactly. a great guy,
1: bro. Uh, and, and, and the beautiful thing about him is that he came with no preconceived notion of what was going on. Yeah. So for him, it was, it was all new. Yeah. Um, And he can see the potential and say, yeah, I don't know why this guy didn't do this. I knew the money was there, you know, and he didn't get collected for some reason, right? And I was like, well, that reason is the same thing, complacency. They were just okay with collecting their $500 check on Friday and and, and moving on, right? And I got tired of that. I'm I'm not complacent at all. You know, have I gotten complacent in the past? yeah sure we all have
0: right uh, we all have we like get
1: complacent. it's in an easy trip to follow maybe who into. knows uh but um, right, yeah right now is not yeah. the time right and especially with all these great things that are happening in this new age of of real estate you know yeah. uh, uh, where there's technology involved now we're, we're sending text messages and people are replying right away dude it used to take me five to ten days to get responses letter yeah oh for sure it takes me seconds
0: yeah Yep. Yeah. you know even with all the compliance stuff that's in on the texting right now it still is is a is a really good way to get through to folks you guys if you guys um, are watching this uh and you got to be worried about the
1: compliance because you're gonna get you know, hit up with lawsuits mm-hmm. uh, with uh, no soliciting yep uh, this 10
0: DLC compliance, Yep. i read up on it
1: Okay, I do it but I, I read up on it. I I am complaining what I do. Uh, I don't wanna break
0: any rules, i never been sued and it takes more than anybody else. Yeah. So just you have to be careful. Just you can put a you can put a lot of energy and effort and money and investment into a certain like like SMS. But if you're not compliant, um, Yeah it, it's and gonna come back to bite you and you, and you could it could take your whole business with it. You're surprised, you'll be surprised how many
1: are non compliant. Oh sure. I would say it's about ninety nine percent of all. Um, but anyhow it's not about that let's talk about you now so (laughs) uh, so we got so you go
0: get into real estate what year was that well so I started getting into real estate when I started uh, getting my real estate license when I was out there in Vegas at the UFC because I was thinking what am I doing next there's that Google thing right okay but then there's also real estate which is in my blood so that's when I really started looking into real estate and that was back in 2009 and then I got very busy building a marketing company and, and growing that you know, it's a sales and marketing. Company. The the product was marketing, and the service was right. marketing. But you got to have really good salespeople right. uh, to be able to fill those calls. So I focused on that. Um, and again, I was working with all these high high end clients, and I was working with real estate offices. I worked with Keller Williams, I worked with a global banker, um, and uh, and went and kind of trained their offices on on how to have their own marketing. Each each individual agent, how to have your own marketing, how to have your own websites, your own landing pages, your own lead gen. Um, and uh, while I was out consulting with these big companies, Tariq Al Musa from HGTV, his partner Pete DeBest, um, found me, found my press kits out online and things that were out there to just kind of bring in high-end clients for me to consult. And um, we had an hour and a half long phone call, or well, Pete talked for an hour and 15 minutes, um, yeah. as Pete, he Pete does. And talked for 15. <laughs> and, uh, and, but you know what, in that time, it really gave me a window into where they were and what was going on. And, and I was assuming this was a consulting position, that's what we were talking about and really it started turning into more of well, what we really need right now with Tarek's schedule and with Pete's other business, we need a CEO type and I said well you're not going to hire a consultant to be a CEO right. and he said well I, I understand that so what would it look like if you came in and, and worked here and just ran all the sales and marketing because we want to have a marketing driven company. So I thought that was an interesting proposal. Um, I had never worked with just one. I mean, I was out in the UFC doing that, So that was, but that was more of a job, it wasn't consulting. So I've never just consulted with just one company. So um, uh, we had a really long meeting. And How is it to work for the UFC? The UFC? Yeah. You know what, it's, it's interesting because I didn't have to, to rub elbows with many UFC people at all. Right. Uh, they put me up in this beautiful house in, in overlooking the Strip in Vegas wow. and the pool and all that fun stuff, and um, yeah. Um, I worked out of my house, so it was all on the computer. It was all at a recording studio at home. So I'd go through the music and I'd listen to everything, and I would do licensing deals. And they had an office there in Vegas where the legal team would take care of everything. So it was very—I think I, I had probably a meeting every six weeks or so, wow. uh, and it was just a one-on-one in an office. It was very boring. There's not a lot of story to tell. Wow. But it was just, it was just a, an interesting thing to do, but I didn't, you know, I went to some UFC fights, of course. Right. Uh, that was free. You got tickets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it, you know, I wasn't like hanging out, you know, with, with Dana White or anything like that. You know, it was just, uh, it was an interesting experience and that's when I knew that I didn't want to stay in Vegas, um, and I wanted to get into either my, my, my blood, which was the real estate, or get into this new Google stuff. And that's when I got into Google, and, and the marketing company happened, and that's where I learned marketing. So now you go back to Tarek uh, and, and, and his operation. Uh-huh. You become
1: the CEO of
0: their operation. Right? I became the director of sales and marketing. Okay. Um, I, uh, I didn't want to have too much responsibility on my shoulders uh, before knowing kind of how the company works and, and how, how it was all kind of put together. Um, they had two salespeople. One was one was on the floor, and one was remote. Um, they had uh, about an eight thousand dollar a month marketing budget most things were word of mouth that were coming in from Flipper or Flop or one thing right. or another just because Tarx, you know Tarx a, yeah, a big is celebrity. Yeah, so uh, and he has a few brands and a few different shows and um, that's really where the lead gen is coming from. Um, but that's not going to cut it no. and um, you know I found too, and, and it's a double-edged sword because a lot of Tarx fans uh, and watchers, um, um, some have a home to sell because they're in that predicament right. and they need to sell and a vast majority of other ones just want to know what color throw pillows to throw on the sofa or what backsplash to do, so there's not a lot of distress there. So we'd field, and we set up parameters and filters, uh, we'd field a fair amount of calls where people just wanted to talk to TARC or just wanted to say, hey, I love your show, that one house you did was magnificent. Um, So we needed to kind of change our marketing and skew our marketing, not for fans of Tariq, but for people that really needed to sell their home and trusted Tariq to be able to do that. So for me, working with a company that already has a brand that's established, and also has uh, the, the financial means to be able to grow. It seemed like a no-brainer for me to go in and really help them. They had this great brand, they've got the money, and they had all these different software things. They they started using InvestorLink back when it was a secret, right? right? Um, and uh, but there was nobody in-house to really conduct that uh, or understand that. And they were their their IT bandwidth, their technical bandwidth was was a challenge. So I came in and, and we started implementing the tools properly. And that's, that's another thing, you can go out and spend money on consultants, you can spend money on software, you can spend money on seminars, but if you're not going to take it and, and put it into an action plan, and you're not going to use it, you can say, listen, I have a, a $200,000 Ferrari in my garage, why am I not doing 200 miles an hour right yeah. now? Well, you're not in the car, you're not driving the car, don't, that's don't probably it. why you're not doing, you're doing zero. You know, So having those things and being able to implement them was crucial and then I scaled up the sales team and the, the first month that I was there it was about $40,000 in revenue that came in because everything was very tight uh, and very small so I scaled that up, turned on Investor InvestorLift, started using that for Dispo um, and started building a Dispositions team, started building the marketing, I fired the third party marketing company that they had. Um, I'm not a big fan of using outsourced marketing channels because you're paying for their lights and brights, you're paying for their benefits. And if you have an hour long phone call every week with them, they're gonna have another hour long phone call with somebody else right after it. And on Thursdays or Fridays, they're gonna take that entire day to cultivate new clients. We can't fault them for that, it's a business. But if you hire somebody in-house and you own them for eight hours a day not looking for a job and only looking to focus on your business your costs are not a whole lot different but the value and the amount of activity and the amount of forward movement you have leaves and downs that's what we're doing with top and the
1: guys shut up look nobody knows that i have a ba company right but i recognize this is the first time I ever say that. Okay. We actually, we're up to like 80 yeah. pages, right? yeah. And yeah. so we're applying that concept that you just talked about. Yeah. It's like, look, we're gonna do marketing for you, but by the way, these guys are actually on your team, Yes. they just happen to work for me. Mm-hmm. And now they work for you, with subcontract to you, and that's been the, it's a new experiment that we're doing with multiple teams, which I never finished telling you earlier, the PL uh, and yeah. comparison, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that well, later. Yeah, I, can't, I can't disclose this, <laughs> those numbers here or anything like that. But, uh, so you went there, and you scaled that from 40000 to what? What was the biggest revenue month that you got wholesaling? That
0: don't, well us go to the Because, trip. you know, I, it's not my company, right? right? So, and now that I'm not in you know, contract anymore, right. I, have to, I have to be somewhat cryptic on, on talking right. exact yeah. numbers, but I can so rough, say this. Rough figures. I can say this, that um, we went incrementally, as I was discussing, right. you know, you, you dial it up. But we went incrementally uh, up to a million and a half in about five months. Uh, From the time I started, that's a fast increment. Yeah, because 100 percent. You do 40, and then
1: okay, let's double it. Because even if you double the next month, you're only talking about
0: 80. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, we it it jumped. It jumped up to about 200, and then 500. It just kind of it went from there. And and we were having consistent seven-figure months. Uh, I mean, even in December, if you go back to December of 2021. um, we were making some changes and we dialed back marketing. We literally took the last two weeks of December off. We sent everybody home. We said, listen, go have a nice holiday with your family. We dialed the marketing way back. We dialed it back to maybe eight percent, nine percent of what we were spending. Um, and even in December with only a half a month, we still did a million dollars in assignment fees. Wow. So and that's in a hard in a hard time. You know, December is not a lot of people are moving and not a lot of things are happening. So um, you will Consistency. Take that. look my best months really ever. Really. Consistently, December, January. Well we gotta talk, my friend, you got like, to like
1: code. And I will tell you why, and I will say this in front of the video. I have no issues disclosing on why. In December and January, people are looking for closure. So in December they're looking for closure, Like They true. want to close the year, they wanna get rid of the debt, you know, the old houses have, you know, dragging them behind. In January they wanna start the year fresh. So they don't wanna have Holding them back, and sure. usually it's a property. What's happened? They can't move on with their life because they still live there or they have the property that they, they haven't been able to sell for whatever reason. And I, even when I was doing mailers, that's when I would double down on mailers because sure. I knew yep. I was gonna be one of the few doing marketing because mm-hmm. most people did what went on vacation, they went yeah. for Christmas and New Year's, yeah, and they dialed the marketing down. And that's I a good that's, time for you to pounce. That was it. Yeah, I am going to no, go take over those markets. So, December, January, guys, don't
0: slack off because guess guess who's scaling up by, at that time? Moi. See, I learn stuff from this guy all the time. Yeah. So, so and The day I stop learning is the day I'm dead. And we have to, as business owners, as, uh, it just in our daily lives, we just constantly have to have a thirst for knowledge and constantly That's That's why we're, we're here this forward.
1: weekend. I mean, we're here at, a, at, a, at an event that our friend Don Costa put together. And, you know, I'm just growing all the time. Like one yep. nugget I pick up from this weekend from those guys yep. makes me who knows what, you yep. know. So and building relationships. So okay, so let, let let's go to finish because
0: we've been we've been in it for a while now. Sure. So you scale that, you exit it. Now you're a free agent. I I, I am, and um, you know I, I kind of. Um, so recently I've gone through some personal changes. My mother passed away, and I and I really had to kind of dissect on. Renewing uh, and continuing, you know, working on the path with, and it wasn't just working with Tarek too, because Tarek and I are are, are really good friends, and and Pete and I are good friends, and um, I have a lot of good friends at that company, and it was very somber and bittersweet when I moved on, but um, over the past two years in working with Tarek, and working with other HDTV uh, personalities, right. making sure that they actually have companies behind their story. Right. Um, and I've made great relationships with those those folks too. But I've had so many people ringing my doorbell, knocking on my door, saying, "I see what you're doing. Throw me a bone. Help me out. Right. How do I get there?" And that was a challenge for me because my knee-jerk reaction, my blood, is to help everybody.
1: Right.
0: But for the first time in my life, for, for two years there, I was really just locked down. Yeah, that, and that, that was your job. job. That was the contract. That's you know they, they put a lot of ink in that pen when they made the offer, and, and it was something that I, I I had so much fun doing and. Like I said, we're all, we're all really good friends, but um, I kind of had to take a step back and take a look at my life. I'm 43 um, and um, I think there's a lot more people out there that I can serve and that I can work with yeah. and that I can help. And sure enough, um, last week we were out at the All In conference yeah. out in Phoenix and uh, uh, we both got to get on stage a couple of times yeah. and, and flap our gums. But yeah, uh, cool. um, I ran into so many people that had been knocking on my door. Um, I ran into so many people that Intimidated to knock on my door, and just in person, they were like, "I just can I pick your brain?" And well, the thing
1: is, Robert, uh, shout out to Robert Wesley, who I couldn't interview. In that was a whole week of freaking madness uh, back in Phoenix. Yeah. But Robert loves to to paint this picture of you. I mean, Robert loves you, number one. Uh, Robert's a great guy and, and a good software. And he talks about you as this one guy that scales things to the book, right? And which is true. But usually if you're that little guy and you're listening to Robert, and I'm just using Robert as an example, I'm pretty sure there's other people that may say the same things or better or who knows worse. They're because, all on the payroll. Right. They're, they're all in, yeah. <laughs> so but Robert will come and say, Oh Ricardo, you know, you gotta be forest when you go to California because he will say that to me. And I was like who is Forrest? Yeah. And like Forrest is working with his team and my, and these skills are like $2 million a month and, and you know, eight figures and blah, blah, blah and he's the greatest, you he's know. A, he's a hell of a promoter, Robert. And so when he promotes you, he creates this big persona, right? Yeah. And some people might be intimidated sure. by that because I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to go knock on his door. He might reject me like, because he's so big. Uh, it yeah, is the opposite.
0: Yeah, 100%. Because yeah, yeah. when I met you, like, what's up, dude? It was <laughs> yeah. oh, like, oh. No, I'm a, I, I yeah. love everybody. I'm a friend to everybody. But, yeah. No, yeah. it's... Yeah. it's, it's it, 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 being able to help other people, that's really where I want to go. And that's really what I'm doing now. Um, I've got some some great things. You and I are working yeah. on some things. We have uh, some seminars coming up and some yeah. things we're going to be doing in Miami and some places. At 10, at 10
1: Growth, guys, floor, uh, Forest is going to be there June 24, 25, 26. Definitely want to come check check it out. He's going to be on stage, putting it, uh, displaying how he scaled businesses, what he's done in the past. We're also going to be working on some things moving forward in Miami at the end of the year. So definitely want to be there. But that's exactly where you're headed now. You're headed to help other people achieve Um,
0: higher levels. You know, I've I've made all these relationships and it's been kind of, that's like what you're saying, who is forced, right? right? I've been really, the last two years, I've been this kind of mad scientist behind the curtain. Kind of tetrising this all together, and I've made some really good relationships behind that curtain.
1: Tetrising it all together. That's that's really what
0: it is. You know, it's finding those pieces and finding the groups that they fit best in. And I've. I've made some great relationships. I've, I've um, I'm working with Cody Sperber, I'm working with Cole Hatter, Dominic Wood, Brian Apples. I mean, we're all working together on some amazing projects, some amazing things out in Phoenix. Um, and these are the these are the relationships that I've built, but have not been able to lend myself to. And now I'm able to. I mean, I, I did. I was on Zoom calls this morning, and the amount of people that were in these Zoom calls are people that. I admire and I aspire and um, you know I I know a lot about sales and I know a lot about marketing and I know a lot about in different industries and I know what lovers to pull and what to optimize but the Cole Hatters and the Kent Clothiers and the Cody Sperbers they have knowledge that and experience that you know Sir Richard Branson and Elon Musk both said the same thing independent of one another not knowing they said it. they said if you want to be a billionaire Your top five should be billionaires. Your top five friends need to be billionaires if you're gonna be a billionaire. So if you wanna be very successful in real estate, if you wanna know all the different creative financing, if you wanna know how to put together large portfolios and major deals, you gotta hang with those guys. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been able to hang with those guys. And you know, we've talked, but I've been busy. Always, I'm doing something, right? Now it's different, and now we're able to kind of open up those floodgates, and I'm able to help them take some of their companies and and scale those as well. it's it's for me it's a breath of fresh air you know i'd rather be friends with many than just locked down to one and i the term lockdown sounds harsh because you know like i said targ's my friend i was never locked down
1: no but Um, you were no
0: but you recognize that you you had a commitment right yeah yes and you were
1: and you had to honor the commitment sure which which was give you to 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 that organization a hundred percent Right? there was
0: no ninety nine percent or or I'm gonna do half and no, a no that's one hundred and ten percent right you know, all day long and that's just how I do things and um, sometimes I spread myself too thin. You know, as business owners right. and, and, and just as worker bees, we tend to do that. Um, and that's where delegation is so important. Um, and, and constantly interviewing and constantly hiring. If you need to fill a position and you're, you've you gone through a bunch of duds and you find one that you kind of like, don't just take that one. Keep going. I mean, it could take you six months to find the right position to fill. Right. But those delegating that off to somebody who's credible that you can count on. Um, you know, I used to say about salespeople finding the right salesperson means that's somebody, if, if, if I had to go to court, and I didn't show up and they were there, I'd feel confident that they would do better or as well as I would do, right? So finding those people that can represent your brand, represent your mission, represent your message, and get your business, like, get aligned with you, right? Um, I was talking with uh, Bryant yesterday. Um, Bryant and Cody are out in my neck of the woods for Cody's brother's birthday, uh, sorry, wedding. And um, we were talking yesterday about um, having everybody on your team rowing and rowing in the same direction. And you don't want that guy that rows and then one, two, three, okay now all row and then one, two, and skipping that row. You're out, you're gone dude. I can't have you here. So Let me tell you a little story. So we watch uh, as a team,
1: mm-hmm. we watch this show on, it's a, National Geographic maybe? Or it's on YouTube, it's called The Selection. Okay. It's a bunch of ex-military uh-huh. that come together to train civilians into Navy SEAL type training, okay. right? Yep. And the first, on the first episode, the first and the second episode, uh, they're just beating them up to death, right? Push-ups, this and that, you know, standing in formation, walking. But there comes the episode where they gotta carry the log. Okay. And these logs are heavy, as said. I mean, sure. these things are a few hundred pounds. But it takes the whole team to carry the log. Teamwork makes the dream work, And right? you can tell who's actually slacking off on the log yeah. Because the other guy next to him or on the other they're both corner, They're struggling, yeah. Yeah. right? And so, but if we use that 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 example, guys, that log, that's the lead. Yeah, and we all need to do our part together and do it on the lead, whether it comes from qualifying the lead, negotiating the lead, you know, making sure the lead is clean through transactional coordinating all the way until we dispose of the lead. Yeah, we're all carrying the log. Yeah. And,
0: and and one of the other reasons
1: why I show that video, that I love showing that, that show, to especially to my team, the, the one on the same, we buy same as cash, is is that they understand that if they don't carry the log, they get to move on. They yeah. get to exit yeah. the, 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 the
0: yep. show. Yep. So would you just describe the it's, same it's, thing? It's, it really is. And, and, you know, you have to be willing sometimes in a sales environment to sacrifice the one to save the man. Right, and sometimes you have somebody on your, your your sales team, your sales floor. They may be the best person you have, but if there's if they're creating an anti-synergy, if they're if they are the anti-synergy for the room, if they're tanking your sales floor, I call it pissing on the sales floor. So it's not very G-rated, but it's yeah. it's they even if they're your top producer, sometimes we, you have to sacrifice we, we have to one that, to save we, the men. We've done that multiple times.
1: I've, I have to say, brother, I love you. I thank you so much for. For for you being coming here with us and making things happen, but from now on, we're just going to go in a different direction. Yeah, multiple times. I don't know how many times I've done it. And yeah, that doesn't mean they're not talented. That doesn't mean
0: they're not badass. They may just do better at another company. They may be better in the same space, but in a different ecosystem. Maybe the ecosystem and the tribe that I've created here just doesn't doesn't tell you. That's fine. That's fine. I wish you well. We're friends. I'll give you a letter of recommendation. Yeah. Whatever you need. Um, But. When you have an an ecosystem that is working, and you have a tribe that is just clicking together and working, you you gotta make sure that everybody is rowing the same amount of rows. Otherwise, it's just dead weight. It's gonna pull you back. You're gonna have costly mistakes. It's not gonna be efficient. Um, And it really kind of paints a target on the entire acquisitions team's back because you've got one person who's not growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at your acquisition numbers as a whole, marketing, the marketing team has to analyze their numbers. How many leads came in and how many were closed? And typically marketing and sales, the teams always have an issue, right? And sales members are gonna say, the marketing and the marketing department's gonna say, well the sales team does not include a deal. Right. So you gotta have those working hand in hand and you've gotta have all cylinders firing um, for it to really work. They've gotta be trained, the leads have to be warm. It's just a recipe, and it's something that is a blueprint that I love implementing into businesses and watching it flourish. Wow. Well, brother, thank you so much for uh, for your time, man. This was a
1: great episode, guys. If you guys don't know who Forrest is, you guys got to go find it. Well, how can people get in contact with
0: you? Um, Forrestblackburn.com is a, is a website that is growing right now. Uh, it's up. You can go there. You can find me. You can contact me. Put yourself on my calendar. Um, if you're a business that's doing hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue or two hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue i want to talk to you i can easily get you to the next level we're going to double that and we'll take it from there but um i want to work with you you have the fire in your belly you've got the money coming in and i'd love to help so i'm here so yeah just ForrestBlackburn.com. get yourself on the calendar it's a no-brainer guys brother thank you
1: so much thanks, thanks for guys attend growth.com june 24 25 26 we're only about a month away from it so Fifteen tickets left for VIP. That's crazy. We got maybe a, a hundred for general admission left. So I'll see you there.